Welcome to the Skyrocket Education Podcast. Featuring Michael Sonbert and Antonio Vance. They've coached, trained, and partnered with thousands of teachers and school leaders from over 100 cities and eight countries around the world. They've seen everything, and they're here to share that with you. Get ready for the most honest, no BS, totally unfiltered education podcast around. Buckle up for Informal Observations. Welcome, welcome, welcome to Informal Observations with Skyrocket Education. I'm Michael Sonbert. Founder of Skyrocket here, as always, with the good doctor, Dr. Antonio Vance. Vance, how you doing, man? Happy New Year. Happy great, New man. Year. Are you a, are you a new are you a new person ready for 2022? Nah, same old guy, same old G. Same old G. <laughs> <laughs> um, I was listening to an interview with uh, and this is our first show of 2022. I was listening to an yeah. interview with Jennifer Aniston the other day. Do you know who Jennifer Aniston is? Yes, I do. Yeah, from uh, Friends and other things. And everybody was calling her Jen in the interview. Huh. Even though she goes by Jennifer. And it made me think, you know, Robert De Niro, all his buddies call him Bobby. Do you know that? No, I didn't. Does that mean I can call you Mike? Well, that's what I was thinking is we need to, I know we've tried to do some nicknames in the past. You didn't like Antonio Trance, which I understand, (laughs) but that we might have to go because the point is like Jennifer Aniston was being interviewed by people she knows and people she's friendly with. So she's Jennifer Aniston publicly, but to her friend, she's Jen and Robert De Niro is Robert publicly, but to his friends, he's Bobby. So I was thinking that maybe we could be uh, Mike and Tony. No, I hate Tony. (laughs) You I hate, hate Tony? I hate that. That's my How about no. Mikey and Tony? Mikey and Tony's education, <laughs> com- education company. Nah, I think we're good, bro. You don't like it? Nah, nah. You like well, the idea of calling me Mike? No, I don't, actually. I always call you, I mean, how, the only time I ever call you Mike is when I'm, like, mad about something. <laughs> I rarely I, call you Mike. <laughs> I had to print a return label, and so uh, Amazon sent it to me. And my Amazon profile, I'm Mike Sonbert, which is fine. A lot of people, especially guys I've known for years, call me Mike. Uh, but uh, I, I had to print a return label and I forwarded it to my wife because she yeah. had access to the printer. And I was like, hey, can you print this out? And she writes back because it says, Mike sent you a return label. She writes back, sure thing, Mike. And like, what's like that loud next to it? Does she always call you Mike? Michael? No, she calls me Michael. Yeah, she goes to Michael. I, Mike doesn't. Well, she calls me. She I. She calls me sir. I insist she calls me sir. <laughs> you you're not a Mike. Like it just doesn't it doesn't fit you, Mike. You're not a Mike. So are you saying that? Because I've been thinking about this. We cannot go the Jennifer Aniston, the Jen Aniston, Bobby De Niro route. No. You won't, you won't allow it. Not not now. Maybe when when we're on on that on the Robert De Niro salary, then we'll be like, hey, Mike. <laughs> Right now, <laughs> I have uh, I have some interesting news. I asked Stacy at the end of this last year, I asked her to crunch the numbers and see who's listening to our show, uh, how many people and what countries they're from. And can I, I have the list in front of me? Can I read to you the list? And I swear, I hope this doesn't sound like we're, we're bragging or being full of ourselves because it's not that. It's just more surprised than anything. Can I read to you the list of countries? Is this going to give me uh, from, anxiety? Wh- why would it give you anxiety? You don't listen to our show anyway. I don't. 
never cut. heard a second of informal no, lingerie. I've never, yeah. Let's not tell our listeners that. <laughs> um, IO. IO is, is what we uh, is what we call it. Um, listen to these countries. So USA, right. which you which you'd of course expect. Oh, yep. India, which we've discussed. You've knew about India, yep. Germany, which I don't remember that. Hmm. The UK, we knew okay. that. France, Japan, Belarus, Denmark, Dominican Republic, Ireland, Mexico, the Netherlands, South Africa, and Sweden. Ah, my my friends in Sweden. That is a that is an international audience, man. And to those people who are listening from all these other countries, uh, and even from our own country, why? Why are you listening to the show? I'm excited about the folks in Republico Dominicana. Yes, I love our, my Dominican brothers and sisters. I'm, I'm excited that they're listening. And the That's Caribbean. So funny, man. Maybe because I, I just want to go there, but yeah. <laughs> I, uh, Belarus stood out to me. I, um, I've been told my entire life that I'm this like European mutt with like English and French and German and Czech and Polish and Russian ancestors, right? And so yeah. after we had, after uh, we had Max, uh, our first, uh, my wife, who knows exactly what, I mean, she knows like the, the literally the village in Italy that her great grandfather came from. And she's like, hey, let's find out where you're from. And I'm like, ah, whatever. And she, she got the, one of those like 23andMe or Ancestry.com yeah. things. And you're supposed to, I don't know if you've ever done that. Have you ever done anything like that? I actually have one and I've had it for a year. Someone bought it for me last Christmas and it's still in the box. Still in the box. Okay. So I was, I was not, not quite a year, but I'm like, nah, I don't feel like doing this, whatever. So then you're supposed to spit into a vial. Yeah. And then you mail it, you mail your spit to them, which by the way, they're clearly like collecting everyone's DNA. You're getting like- your DNA. Yes. Let's get the conspiracy <laughs> theories rolling. They definitely right. are collecting my DNA to make a clone of me. Which right, right, right. And who will just one day bad. show up and, <laughs> and will replace you and we'll never know. And they'll send you to some like organ sure. harvesting uh, factory. <laughs> um, but, uh, but so I, uh, I come home from a happy hour one night. And I'm like, all right, give me the freaking thing. I'm going to, I'm going to spit into that thing. And she's like, you've been drinking. I don't know if you're supposed to do. I'm like, <laughs> I grab an Oreo and I now have beer. I grab a beer and I grab an Oreo. I'm chewing an Oreo. Maybe I'll show up as all Irish. <laughs> <laughs> and I go to, Hey, don't offend our uh, Irish uh, listeners, man. That don't stereotype. Um, and so anyway, so she's like, I'm pretty sure you can't do it with beer and Oreos in your mouth. So she looks it up and she was right, unsurprisingly. And so then I woke up the next day and I did it. I'm supposed to do it on like empty stomach, et cetera. And I do it. And I am uh, from my entire family tree is from a 500 mile like oval that extends from like Western Russia through Belarus and through Ukraine. And like 0.00001% of the population or something staggering like that is from as small an area as I'm from. So I never knew I had uh, Belarusian uh, roots, but I do. And uh, they're listening. They they know. They know. That's why why they're listening. They can tell. They They can hear it. They can hear it. Uh, Well, listen, man, we're going to talk about, welcome back. Welcome back. We've been off since Thanksgiving. Yep. It's uh, not not from school. 
I was about to say, we haven't been off from work. <laughs> I missed that on memo. The podcast. But, um, but we are going to get into our topic tonight, which is about all this like virtual and in-person learning and what's the right thing and what's the, like, what should we be thinking about here? Um, and I don't know if we have any answers, but before we get there, we'll do what we always do, which is three questions for the good doctor. Um, Dr. Vance, did you make any, and I think I know the answer to this before I even ask you, mm. um, but did you make any New Year's resolutions? <laughs> yes, you know, you know me well. No, no, I did not. I knew uh, it. <laughs> no, no resolutions. Um, you didn't make any, no, nothing, right? No, no, I, I do goals. I don't, oh, good, um, yeah, I don't do resolutions. Um, I do revisit my, my goals and um, look at those and make sure that they make sense long-term, medium-term. Um, and then what are the things that I really need to think about um, this year to make sure that I'm on track um, for those goals? So no, not necessarily resolutions like, oh, I'm going to like do X thing, but really a continuation of, you know, long-term and, and short-term goals, but no new resolutions, uh, no new, you know, turn of life. So sort. your goals are the same as last year's goals, but what do you do? You just up the ante? I, yep. I update. Um, and then if something is accomplished, then, you know, add in a new goal or, um, change it. Um, and I, and I usually keep track like every two weeks, I, I sort of keep, I'm not, I don't want to sound too technical. Like I have a dashboard for my life, but do you <laughs> something sort of like that? Yeah. <laughs> I'm a dashboard dashboard, my life. Yeah. <laughs> what, um, can you share a goal? Are you comfortable sharing a goal? Do this? Yeah, sure. That, so that one of the, yeah, one of the goals that I did not meet last year was um, was reading uh, two books per month. Um, Got it. And I so really, 24, 24 for the year, obviously. Right? 24 for the year. Um, and do yeah. audiobooks count? Because I did 12 books last year, but you, they had to be reading. Audiobooks didn't count. Yeah, I don't do audiobooks, but I don't have the, the brain. I don't know. My brain doesn't work like that. Um, yeah. Although I am now, I just, I think I, I had mentioned to you that I had downloaded this app um, that summarizes books and like the high points. So, which I've actually found very interesting, like it's a voice and it's reading. Um, but I, I gotta give it a try. I'm not going to count that in my goal. I think I actually need to read a book cover to cover, but I was going to say that I don't think we can count that. <laughs> well, my goal isn't specific and I need to update it, um, to be clear, but I do like the, the summary and it's, 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 it's good to sort of get, get in there. But I also want to like diversify that goal a little bit between fiction and nonfiction um, oh. books. And that that's one of the goals I just really struggle with. And, and another part similar to that goal is just around like writing. I think after, I mean, anybody that's been through like a dissertation knows that like, after you're done, you're like, I don't want to read or write anything for the next five years. Um, yeah. But I found myself missing reading and missing writing and um, so this year, I definitely updated my goals to to make sure that I incorporate more time to like just read um, and 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 do more writing. Right on, man. Uh, so nerdy. how? What'd you say? Kind of nerdy. It's not nerdy at all. It's awesome. It's absolutely awesome. <laughs> nerds among nerds saying it's not nerdy. <laughs> yeah, I know. Maybe our friends in uh, I don't know where did we say. Maybe our friends in the Netherlands will think it's lame. Um, I, uh, yeah, so I don't, uh, it's interesting, man. I don't make, uh, when I asked you the question, 
when I, when I said to myself that you weren't going to have resolutions, I, I, I uh, meant it really in the, because I don't, I don't make resolutions either. We have, yeah. my wife and I go through a really strategic and intentional multi-day year long goal setting process, not just for like us, like we do it ourselves individually. We do it like as a, as a couple, right? So we have like one trip per month, like one day trip per month. We have like right. how many yeah. date nights we're going to do over the course of the year. Um, we have like uh, financial goals. We have wellness goals, things like that. We also have things for the kids. Like I am, uh, I am charged with teaching both Teddy and Penny how to ride bicycles. She said by April, and I was like, "Hey, um, it's freezing out." Like now, I don't mind if it's freezing out, but if we say I'm going to teach kids how to ride a bike by April, and I'm not going to be able to get them outside on the bike until like you know a couple of weeks from now, I want to set goals that are super ambitious, but. <laughs> um, that are that are also uh, uh, attainable or at least close to attainable. But anyway, we're so we're still we're still hammering over some of the um, we're finalizing some of those those details. But, um, can but you yeah, videotape so, these sessions. Can I videotape them? Um, I probably could. Um, I next year, or at least next year. Like this, I think we should. This is, this sounds like something that a lot of folks could probably either be entertained by, or 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 possibly benefit from but i'm thinking more about the entertainment value yeah yeah i think that we probably get ridiculed and um <laughs> and that'll be that'll be good for for folks to hear um but i do think um and i'm interested because this year i'm doing the reading goal again but i'm including audiobooks this year because uh. i just want to get to as many books as possible and so if it means that while i'm going for a walk or driving somewhere on a plane I can yep. listen to a book. Not that you can't read on a book, but you can't read while you're driving or I hope folks aren't doing that. Um, but that I think it will allow me to, I want to set goals that allow for like the most amount of impact and not be like driving a car and hesitating to like listening to the radio. I know you hate music. I love it. Um, <laughs> I hate music. Michael. That's what I heard. I heard you say you hate No, I didn't say hate <laughs> By the way, that is a very charged topic. I've talked to a bunch of people who find it unfathomable that when we did our episode a couple couple of months ago on, I forget, it was our special education deep dive, but the question on the front end is like, what's something that everybody thinks is great that you kind of could take or leave and that you said, uh, and that you said music. Um, yeah, I've gotten some, some pushback from folks too, so. <laughs> um vance what is something uh you've learned or something inspiring since the last time we were together um you know something is brand new it's recent it just sort of um came across my radar um i follow unbound ed um uh they're quite quite closely they're an amazing organization and they had a a post that i just kind of like fell fell for which was around um, which was about reading um, in, in in America, and this the the the, the headline was that sixty percent of American children um, are 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 not reading at grade level, mm -hmm. and there was a link to a site called the the truth about reading .com. and I was um, just I, I, it's like something that you think about like how it, um, literacy in our country, but this, <laughs> the, this is a documentary that's coming out this year 
Um, and if you get a chance to look at the website, it's called thetruthaboutreading.com. And there's a quick four minute teaser um, of the outcome, the, 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 the documentary, but it was just flooring the statistics um, on the website. I mean, 54% of adults between the age of 16 and 74 lack proficiency in literacy. 65% of American fourth graders don't meet um, standards. Um, we rank 125th out of 194 of other countries in literacy. I mean, 125th, like we're one of the wealthiest. Right? It's unacceptable. And it just made me think about, um, and in the video, there's like a moment where there's a, they interview a person and it's a, he was a teacher for 15 years um, in Los Angeles. And he admits that during his 15 years of teaching, he could not read. Wow. And I don't think we often understand like the depth of, of literacy and, um, and, and how that impacts people. And it makes me think as an educator, how many folks crossed my path that were able to use coping mechanisms to get by or where I sort of like, you know, turn the other cheek or wh whatever the case is. It just, it, I, I think that it just really surprised me and it just re just, you know, how important our work is and the work that we have to do here. Um, it, it just recharged me and like, okay, we gotta, we gotta get these schools back on track. We gotta get kids back on track and we can't ha be 125th um, in the country. Right? Wow, what a sobering statistic, right? I mean, uh, there's, uh, uh, there's this kind of faction of people in this country who will just beat their chests and say that America is the greatest country in the world and, you know, certainly I, I, I love America in a lot of ways and, and certainly, you know, I, I like living here a lot, but it's stuff like that that I think we're just, there's, there's this uh, weird uh, aversion to confronting something like that yep. from, uh, I'm not even saying it's one political party, though I think it is, um, but the, just this idea of like, hey, like we can do better and that American exceptionalism uh, isn't necessarily what it used to be and uh, if it even exists anymore at all. And we should be looking at these problems with solutions and not with blinders on. Yeah. Um, and it's really, uh, that's a really, really, as I said, sobering statistic. Yeah. Wow. I mean, Lacey Robinson, who's the CEO of Unbounded, she had a, a, a small clip and she's like, why, why, why aren't we declaring war on this? Like, this is such a major, like, in your face sort of um, item. And we, we worry about like schedules and funding for schools and all of this like nonsensical things that don't make sense um, in our own country. And we're ranked 125 in literacy. Like, are you kidding me? Um, and yeah, we, we just have to do, we, it, it, we have to do more. We, we, we have to, yeah, it's just more work for us. We gotta get, we have to dive in. But it, it was very sobering and it was very surprising. Um, yeah. Wow. Well, on a, uh, a lighter, lighter note, note <laughs> <sorry>. <laughs> something happened to me. This is not what I was going to share, but I'm going to share this because uh, you brought us into the darkest sorry. depths of, <laughs> of humanity. And so I'm going to go. <laughs> I wasn't planning on sharing this. Um, I learned about a group of car thieves in Milwaukee. <laughs> called the Kia Boys. The Kia Boys. The Kia Boys. K I A. 
space <laughs> B-O-Y. I don't know if it's B-O-Y-S or B-O-Y-Z, um, but the Kia boys. So for those, and I know we have Milwaukee listeners uh, on the, uh, who oh, yeah. Milwaukee folks who listen to the program. So you all will get this, but other folks from other places will not, uh, or most likely won't, but I was in Milwaukee right before break uh, working with some schools and I came out from school and my car was gone. And uh, I said to the woman I was with, I said, my, my, my car was towed. And uh, because I'm used to Philadelphia where they'll tow your car just for shits and giggles and yeah. then it takes you <laughs> days to find it and hundreds and hundreds of dollars. I mean, don't drive in Philadelphia if you can avoid it at any cost. She's like, they wouldn't, she's like, they wouldn't tow you. They would, they would give you a ticket if you parked illegally. And so we were walking around. She's like, you sure you parked here? I'm like, yeah, I'm sure. And so then we saw glass on the ground and we said, uh, oh, God, like, yeah, the car was broken into and stolen. And so then she asked me what kind of car I'd rented. And I just said, I mean, I didn't rent the Kia. They just gave me a Kia. Yeah. But I said, it's a Kia. And she said, oh, you can't rent a Kia in Milwaukee. Haven't you heard about the Kia boys? And I'm like, what is that? And so apparently, not apparently, there is a group yeah. of, uh, I guess they're teenagers who realize yeah. that Kias are a really easy car to steal. And so they see Kias and they break the window and they do whatever they need to do. And then they steal the car and I guess they use it for parts or whatever. And so... Uh, Don't you have an Instagram page? They have an Instagram? I don't know. I don't know. Oh. We should follow yeah, I them. Yeah, they do. I, I think I followed them. You followed the Kia boys? <laughs> That's the wrong. That's the other team, man. You should. That's ridiculous. <laughs> I don't follow them, but I'm pretty sure they have a. Um, pretty sure they have an Instagram page. That's pretty cool, actually. If they do, uh, <laughs> you're driving around in your car. <laughs> driving around in my car. So, uh, so, and it's this whole thing. I mean, you can Google for folks listening. You can Google this. Google the Kia Boys, Milwaukee, and tons of articles come up. <laughs> Crazy. To the point where, I mean, the city of Milwaukee is, uh, they either have a lawsuit or they're going to bring a lawsuit against uh, against Kia Automobile because the cars are so easy to steal and it's caused uh, car thefts to, to spike. And so anyway, I call the police, uh, I, call, I call the police and I say, hey, my car was stolen. And they're like, you have to come to the station and report this in person, to which I say, oh. yeah, right. There's no chance I'm doing this. And then I call Avis and Stacy on our team is looking into it. And so then it's like, yeah, you need to go to the police station. So now uh, here I am in Milwaukee um, uh, a couple of weeks ago and uh, I've got to go to the second precinct in Milwaukee. So now I've got to find based on where the car was stolen. I now have to look at a map and try and find the right precinct. I wind up finding it pretty easily. Um, I go down there um, after, you know, quite a long wait, the officer is like, Hey, do you, what kind of car was it? I'm like a Kia. She's like, yo, you can't rent a Kia in Milwaukee. I'm like, yeah, I am aware of that now. I actually rented it from Chicago and then drove there. I had to go to a couple other places. Oh, so there. Yep. If you are uh, in Milwaukee, friends, uh, do not drive yep. a Kia. One of the women uh, who we were with said, um, she, or her, apparently her son dates a woman who drives a Kia. And she said that when uh, when this young lady comes over to their house, they pull out one car, they let her pull in, and then they pull another car behind hers to block her in. 
because that's how bad the thefts of Kias are. So um, I mean, I learned about the Kia boys. Go ahead, Michael, please. You've been going to Milwaukee for years. Years. I, I, on my first trip, I was warned about this. Really? So, yeah. I the the folks at uh, Milwaukee College Prep said, "Hey, make sure you don't have a Kia just in case." Um, <laughs> so you should talk to those folks. They 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 gave me the heads up very early. It was my quick guide to Milwaukee. And, I think it was like rule number two is do not drive a Kia. It sounds like what you're suggesting is I wasn't with Milwaukee College Prep. I was with another group of schools. It sounds like what you're suggesting is that it was an inside job and that they didn't <laughs> tell me on purpose so that they could get the, that, that sweet, sweet, that sweet, sweet Kia cash. Is that what you're saying? That's not what I'm saying. I'm certain my right. fifth amendment privilege. <laughs> you all know who I'm talking about. If it was an inside job, I will find out. Vance, <laughs> are you having a drink tonight? What are you doing? I am. I am. I'm having a little uh, crown and um, I actually added some like uh, like Pellegrino. It's like the flavored water. It's actually really good. Not that I'm the trying flavor. to like I don't have a goal of reduced calories or anything. I just like the taste of flavored Pellegrino, which is like mineral water that's flavored. What's it flavored though? What's the flavor? Um, the flavor was like uh, blood spinach. orange. No, 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 no. That's I like spinach, but not in my drink. Um, you don't have to defend spinach. You don't have to make <laughs> spinach is not listening. You don't have to be like, I like spinach. <laughs> I just want spinach to know I like you. I love. I do is like not listening. Did you hear spinach on that list that I shared? <laughs> um, well, no, Popeye might be listening. I don't know. Olive oil, whoever. Um, I do. I do like spinach. Um, just so, just so you know, if you're in case you're listening. Um, but no, it's different flavor drink. Informal observations. Brought to you by Green Giant Spinach. <laughs> um, I am doing a dry January, uh, mm. which means no booze until February. Oh, which great. I know I'm sorry. I should be positive about this. You should be positive about this. Way to you go, hear something Michael. funny? When my wife and I were setting our goals, I said, um, I said, I want to run something to buy. She's like, yeah, what? I'm like, I am debating not drinking for all of 2022. And she's like, what? I'm like, yeah. I'm debating it. She's like, why? I'm like, I don't know, just to do it, right? Because we've talked about this. I mean, I've already, it's uh, January 12th that we're, we're recording this. I've jumped in the, in the water twice this year already, uh, you know, since New Year's. It's, you know, 12 degrees. I jump in the water, like, I, and like, and the answer is like, the question is why? And it's like, well, just to, just to do it, right? To, to give me an edge, right? Because I know that most people aren't jumping in freezing cold water. So I was like, well, maybe just to like do it, right? To do it for the whole year, and not drink anything. And uh, my wife, <laughs> bless her, is like, um, here's the thing. I know you. And I know if you say you're going to do this, um, you're going to do it. And I am worried that you're going to be really uptight and you're going to be really stressed out. And so I want you to have I want you to have some drinks. And so she talked me out of out of not drinking for the entire year. But I am not drinking for all of January. Um, so I'm 12 days into that and um, I am, uh, I'm digging it, man. I, I'm happy for you. <laughs> Vance, let us talk. Um, and I am happy that you like spinach. Um, let us talk about, so most schools are virtual right now, at least the schools with whom yep. we work. Um, yep. Some folks are coming back in person next week. What's the, should we be going, I mean, uh, Omicron is now here. I heard there's a new thing called DeltaCon. 
Um, there's uh, there's something called Fluorona, which the first I have my outfit for DeltaCom. If anybody else has theirs, do you? What are you wearing? <laughs> what is it? The, I'm gonna come as a big coronavirus. <laughs> Sounds like a gathering or something. Like bring all your outfits. DeltaCon. Um, yeah, it's like what that. I bet Delta Airlines used to have like an event called DeltaCon, and they can no longer do that. Um, what uh, and now there's this thing called Fluorona, which the first time I heard of it, I thought it was somebody just like minimizing how deadly coronavirus actually is, but it turns out there's actually something where you can catch the flu and COVID at the same time, uh, yeah. which sounds uh, just lovely. Uh, but here's my question for you. I mean, at this point, they've, the CDC's changed the guidelines, quarantine guidelines, yeah. five days versus 10 days. I don't think anybody has the answer. And I don't think, by the way, if you're listening yeah. to this, we're not suggesting we have the right answer, but like, we just wanted to engage in a conversation. Like, what should schools yeah. be doing at this right now or at this point yeah. right now? I mean, Omicron is less severe, right? Basic, ba based on all the data so far, it's the, it's the le least severe of the, of the variants thus far. And, um, Based on what we know about learning loss and what happens when kids go virtual, what do you think schools should be doing in this in this really tough time, Vance? Yeah, I mean, like you said, like I don't, I don't think anybody knows the answer. I mean, I'm, I, I, I work with tons of schools that are like, hey, we want to be open, but if we were open, you know, January the third, we wouldn't have had any staff here. Um, there were tons of, of folks that you know were affected. Um, I think we all acknowledge that students need to be in schools. And so, you know, I was, I think it was in the New York Times, there was this, this um, article in the headline was like, you know, we've traded, um, you know, saving our economy for education. Um, and I do think that, I mean, our, I'm sorry, our hospitals for saving our hospitals for education, our economy, because that, that's. Yeah, because I read the same thing. And I wanted to talk about this, what, what you're saying, I want to be super clear, like, in an attempt, the, the article was, was, was asserting that in an attempt to not overwhelm and crush the healthcare yeah. system, that okay. we may have overwhelmed and crushed the education system. Oh, I didn't read the whole article. I'm glad you did. <laughs> <laughs> well, I so, know you, like, you, you go mostly for the pictures, right? <laughs> Just go for the pictures. <laughs> Big bowl of spinach. Yes. Get the, get the New York Times for the pictures. Right. I like it. Look, Michael, everyone knows that, I mean, kids need to be in person. I think that the the way that this sort of swept through, um, you know, if you look at the graph of cases, like there was almost this like vertical line yeah. of, of cases and so many folks were out. And I think we didn't really have the knowledge to say that like, hey, this is something that is not as, you know, we had early evidence. Um, and I think we we're also very reactive. I mean, remember when Omicron first sort of like came out, we were all like, oh my gosh, shut down. We can't go near Africa. It's, you know, and everyone mm -hmm. sort of like overreacted because this sort of feels like, you know, uncharted territory. And obviously folks don't want, you know, other folks getting sick. And then, you know, in this sort of like perpetual, you know, this person gets sick and this person gets this other person sick and on and on. So is it the right decision? I mean, I think that the majority of schools um, that I work with were, you know, not happy that they they had to to pause in person instruction, but they agreed, had so agreed. many folks out. Is it responsible um, for folks to to go in? And I just saw you know another article without pictures, unfortunately, this time, where hospitals are asking folks to 
um, for, for healthcare workers to come in, even if they're test positive, but to wear an N95 mask. If they don't have symptoms, even if you test positive, to come into work. Um, and so I think we're eventually have to get to a point where we where we live with this, you know, there are gonna be more variants. You know, I'm a scientist, like, you know, folks like are just now kind of like learning and like, like, oh, really understanding viruses, but like, there are gonna be more variants. And at some point we're gonna have to like find this middle ground because we can't function um, as a society like this. I think your point about like the adults is well taken the, um, at this point it's, it's, you know, pretty safe for kids, right? But yep. the idea that you could have three or four adults in a building or eight or 20 who need to quarantine and that um, it probably made sense to just come back from break and have folks do two weeks or three weeks or whatever it is virtual uh, because most folks or I don't know if it's most, but a lot of folks are asymptomatic if, if they're positive um, and the folks who are positive. I mean, we both know tons of people who had who got Omicron, who either said it was nothing or that it felt like a mild cold. And, uh, and, um, but I do think it makes sense for the virtual piece, at least for now. I, I, I don't, um, I don't, I don't, I'm not sure totally where we go from here at this point. I mean, I do think that what ultimately happens, I mean, the, the quarantine time has gone from 10 days to five. Um, I think we're going to get to a point soon where it's like, there's no more testing. Uh, and, um, because so many people are vaxxed and so many people have immunity that it's like, Hey, like, um, does that kid have a cold or does he have COVID? Um, same difference. Uh, and you know, I mean, we were both teachers. I went to school all the time with, uh, you know, with, yeah. I mean, unless I was, unless I was like, you know, couldn't get out of bed because of a fever. I went to school all the time yep. because the idea, and you know how this was, I mean, a substitute teacher, uh, you get getting oh, back yeah. to school the day after a substitute teacher was there. Yep. I mean, you might've said, you know, you could get there at two in the morning and you still wouldn't be able to put all the pieces back together. Nothing's where it's supposed to be. Yeah. It's a disaster, oh, deaths are sideways or shit everywhere. Like, nobody they haven't done any work like um no offense to our substitute teachers listening maybe this was just my experience but um uh vance making a face <laughs> was that your experience too i mean of course and it's like i mean even as a school leader i mean when folks call in i mean i and i've had me i mean like do you have a pulse great <laughs> i'd love for you to come in i understand you don't feel well um and you know to your point like you know, to hospitals are getting crushed, but you know, they're, adap they're adapting and schools and, and our education system have a really tough time adapting. And it, it's just something that, that we we're gonna have to, to, to deal with. And yes, like we're making some trade-offs now, um, but the future has to look different. And we have to, we talked about this before around shedding the old ways and rethinking and re-engineering re re and reinventing the way that we do things. And I don't feel like we learned anything. I go to schools and it's like pre-pandemic. And I, I, I'm not sure that, that folks have felt the like comfort in like, we might have to shift and do things a little bit differently until, I mean, I don't know when this will end. When will we stop 
like having mandates and folks have can't do this or like let's close the school down because the positivity number is X percentage. Um, but we can't function the same way um, that we've been doing pre-pandemic. And I'm I'm surprised when we, when we came back this year that a lot of things just felt the same. What what's the, you talked about like schools have trouble adapting that uh, hospitals and healthcare uh, has adapted. Um, I don't I don't have firsthand knowledge of that. But what why do why do schools have I have a thought on this? Why do schools have trouble adapting? Do you think? Um, I think well one I think it's fear. I think that, I mean, we've talked about this before, like people know, like as a teacher, if I ask you to go in and teach composition or class, you know, you know, based on your experience, what are the best ways to get students to be better writers? Yeah. And so if I asked you to teach it in a different way or teach a different group of students, like you, you'd sort of like pause because you're like, well, that's, that, that's not what I know is, is, is best. I don't have evidence to support that. Yeah. Um, and I think that that's a major part is when you have things like standardized tests that hold you accountable um, in one way that you, you're like, I'm not really willing um, to try out a bunch of new things um, knowing that I have um, some accountability measures that I have to meet. Um, and I've spoken to school leaders about this where I'm like, hey, you should try this. I'm like, oh, well, wait a minute. I still got to get, you know, my proficiency level at X. <laughs> I know we just talked about literacy and, 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 and proficiency a, a moment ago, but um, we, we're not going to be able to continue to move forward in the same, the same car. We're just not equipped. Like we, we, we have to adapt. We have to, I mean, when you think about it, I mean, we've talked about this before, like schools kind of look the same as they did. You know, I still go into high schools and there's like the teacher in front of the classroom and the bell rings and the kid goes to the next class and they carry their books from point A to point B. And there just hasn't been this evolution and this real change in the way that we teach and the way that students learn to, to, to make it more adaptable. It feels like we're still living in this 100-year-old box. Well, now it's like a 110-year-old box um, that we started you know, back in the industrial era. Well, you say that um, kids carry their books from one class to the next. Are you, um, are you suggesting a solution like that we should have ro robots or conveyor belts or maybe like <laughs> no, I, drones? Like I, I finished uh, Mr. Vance's uh, <laughs> chemistry class, uh, a, a robot drone grabs my books, flies them to Mr. Sombert's writing class. Is that how you're, uh, is that what you're looking at here? I mean, I, I'd be down for that. I just, <laughs> I think that we have to rethink um, just all, I mean, Unfortunately, you imagine I mean, students we know with uh, <laughs> flying robots no, above I, their heads. I just got a little anxiety, right? Just like that. <laughs> um, but what I do think, um, I mean, and some of the countries that are listening to us, which I was really excited, have multiple solutions to to um, to, to some of these that where students have like there's just more flexibility in the way that students learn and the way that we um, the way that teachers teach, and I think that we just. I mean, for I mean, of all the, the things that the pandemic, unfortunate things that came from it, the one fortunate thing was was this push for students to to this one-to-one -one computing, which I think has has been a barrier for 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 several students. And like like you said, like they're not carrying the, all of their books from class to class and running to their locker to grab the chemistry book where all of this material can be kept on their laptop and they can take it home and they can complete assignments. No more snow days, right? There will yeah. never be another snow day. Um, that, that is now extinct. Which um, I gotta be honest, that I think as a, 
as a total tangent, there to me is something magical about a snow day. And I really hope, I know some, I have some friends in, in Nashville who just had a snow day, but I guess they happen so infrequently down there yeah. that, uh, that, that, it, that it made sense. I, of all the things I'm hoping for, and this is low on the list, I hope that snow days still exist because no. there is like almost nothing like that, you know, six in the morning or when they call it the night before, uh, that is just absolutely, absolutely are... magical. Those I think, are... <laughs> I, I think I am, uh, I think the solutions are, um, kind of less radical than maybe you think they are. Um, and I'm not saying that you're, you're wrong and I'm right or vice versa, but, but I think what, what, whoever's right, I think what, what we've seen in the last almost two years is how hard it is to get a big machine to move. And I think we've seen it with the government and I yep. think we've seen it with uh, public education. And there are other things as well. And, and by a big machine, like a big clunky, outdated, like bad systems, yep. bad protocols. I think we've seen what it looks like to try and get that machine to move. And to me, it's been really enlightening that this is not just a COVID thing that like, like it, it really to me has shown a light on like, hey, even in quote unquote normal times, I don't know how much faith I have in these different systems to make radical change and to produce incredible outcomes, considering how, how hard it's been to get folks. I mean, even when everything shut down in March of 2020, there were districts that you and I both know and both work in where nothing happened for two months, nothing. Yep. Kids sat at home doing nothing because the people at the top and the, they, they could not get aligned around the what and they were focused on logistics and that we, we can't, we can't yeah. teach some kids because it's not fair to all kids. And so kids in large school districts, not just large, large and small, but in school districts around this country did nothing for two yeah. months, nothing. And so like, yeah, and it, it's just so, so if COVID never happened, I was, I was talking to a leader this morning, it was really powerful. Uh, and she said that, you know, a lot of her teachers and, and her leaders are in a place of like, this kind of COVID, woe is me, and COVID, COVID, COVID. And she said, like, yeah. She goes, I wish COVID would go away. She goes, I wish poverty would go away. And I wish racism would go away. Yeah. She goes, we've got to, we've got to operate in, in this, in this current, in this current paradigm, um, yeah. the, in the best way we know how. And I get that those things aren't totally the same. I mean, the no, COVID's obviously much more acute. You're not gonna inhale poverty and then become poor yourself I and mean, that's not the way it works and i get that there is a difference there but her point was well taken to me that there's yeah. always going to be stuff um and, and maybe not something quite as acute as this and i hope i hope there's nothing ever like this again but um it really to me has been that level of that, that part of it's been disheartening to see what it takes to get a really big uh, clunky old machine to move and um I mean, just if you look at government, man, just to get people aligned around like wearing masks or things like that, like, you know, and um, and folks who early in the pandemic said like, um, yeah, like um, we'll sacrifice some 75 year olds and some 85 year olds, like just yeah. this kind of like from some people, like we're just not going to do anything. We're not going to do anything yeah. about this. Um, we don't have the interest. 
we're not going to try. Um, just figure it out on your own. And that's uh, that to me has, I think, been uh, illuminating in a lot of ways. And, and Michael, you talked about shining a, a, the light on a clunky system. And I think about, I mean, we talked for, you know, ages and everyone's talked about sort of like the inequality um, and sort of this like trench between like the schools that have and have not. Yeah. And some of the schools that are some of the, the most disenfranchised schools suddenly have been infused with millions and millions of dollars, you know, due to this pandemic. So it makes you wonder, right? Like how, like, where was the money before when these schools, I mean, it's sort of the same battle that we just, we just got to be talking about how 60% of, you know, students across the country, and these are in in schools that are poor and schools that aren't, Mm. um, that have this, this issue. But we now are in a place where schools that had before been struggling for resources, thirsty for resources, are now mm. have more money they, they can't even spend. Yeah. Um, and I mean, it just, th- there has been a lot of light shown in this clunky, broken system. And I think that they're just going to have to be, hopefully now um, that it's been brought to the light, that we can start to rebuild and, and fix some of the components of some of this this brokenness but i i don't i just hope we don't fall back into um where we were and sort of just sort of the the mode of you know we'll just see where it goes but that we actually become more intentional um about where education is going your point really your point really resonates with me and i never thought about it until you just said it but and i think it does speak to how acute uh this uh the pandemic is and and how um like I don't, I don't know that people hear the. A, I don't think people are aware of the sixty percent of kids who don't read on grade level. Um, and by the way, I wasn't aware of it until you just shared. Though I certainly know that there's a major problem, right? I didn't have the necessarily the percentage, but I'm aware that there's a problem. Yeah. But I don't know that people who make decisions about where these millions and millions and millions of dollars go are seeing those things, seeing stats like that seeing 125th in literacy across the world and are saying, Hey, we need to, we need to, we need to radically shift this. And maybe they are, and we're just not privy to it. But your point about like the money uh, is an interesting one. Like where was this before for the, for the millions of kids who are in, uh, you know, traditionally underserved or hundreds of thousands of kids in traditionally underserved schools. And it's, I mean, it's over the millions. What am I talking about? It's well over millions. Um, and, uh, where was the, where was the urgency, uh, before this? What do you, what do you think schools do at like, quote unquote, after the pandemic? I mean, I believe that I do believe, I mean, and look, uh, I hope I'm right. Um, I've been wrong a million times, but I do believe this is this thing's last gasp, no pun intended. Uh, I think that we get back to, um, you're, you're laughing. This wasn't supposed to be, um, <laughs> I do think we get back to uh, more normalcy in the next two months. I think by summer, I think we'll still be in mass until the summer. And then yeah. I think next year it feels as close to normal, quote unquote, as we've had in years. I think that we're out of mass. I don't think families will allow it. I don't think, I mean, already on here on here, here on Long Island, this douchebag uh, politician, I don't know his, I don't know what his role is. He's basically saying he's not going to follow the governor's, mask mandates in schools, which I don't even know if it's legal to not follow these, but instead he's going to put the onus on individual school boards to make those decisions, which to me is so like irresponsible and cowardly. I'm picturing all these people on school boards who signed up for this role because they want to like make a difference. Now they're going to be getting death threats 
from lunatics um, about about these different pieces. Uh, but anyway, I, 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 getting off topic, but I, I do think we get back to some sense of normalcy in terms of like how we operate on a daily basis in the next few months. Uh, and I hope I'm right. But what do you think happens when, whenever that happens, if it's next year or two years from now, whatever, when, yep. what happens? Teachers are quitting left and right. Yep. Um, schools are understaffed. I don't know that there's going to be an influx of people going into education based on what we, what we just saw, right? I mean, uh, this doesn't happen all the time. It happens every, you know, yep. 50 or 100 years. But I imagine there are people who are like, you know what, like, Am I going to do the job where that thing can happen? Or am I going to become an X where like yeah. I can work from home if things go poorly? Like, what do you think happens, man? I mean, I do not see this sort of, you know, recovery of, um, of the profession. I think that we are in a, we, we've got ourselves a general, uh, well, now maybe two generations, maybe two and a half, three generations of, of children um, that are um, going to be somewhat, you know, at a disadvantage of, of where they are. And, and I don't think that we'll be able to solve that with the current approach and our current tools. Um, I think that we've talked a lot about it um, before the, you know, during, and, and, you know, in 2020, like, oh, there's this gap and students are behind. But when I get into schools and I see the same exact practices, um, that were that were not closing the gap before the pandemic um, that in play like we if we don't make some sort of shift when we do get back to quote unquote normal where students are in learning in person um, I don't see this influx of, of, of teachers that are you know are going to be you know ready I mean there will be some um, but I, I don't know how we're going to recover unless we we really rethink um, the standards, we have to rethink standardized testing. We got to rethink what is the actual bar? What does it mean to be proficient? Um, and then what are the ways that we need to rethink how to get students um, to be proficient? And I think it's just going to, it's going to be a struggle and we're going to have to get the old clunky machine um, some new parts. Um, have, you, have you ever seen any, do you talk about shifting, shifting, shifting? And I, I yeah. still, I mean, look, all the data says that Direct instruction is the most effective way to teach kids, right? Or teach anybody. You stand in front and you show, you model a skill and then you have kids practice the skill, right? I, I do you, have you seen any data is, this is going to sound so potentially so ignorant, but like, does it, have you seen any data on whether social studies matters at all? Like, and whether like knowing what date something happened, because there's a part of me that thinks that we should say, Hey, uh, school's on. Um, and we're just going to do reading, writing, and math all day long, every day. And we'll sprinkle some science in. Uh, so people don't know how viruses work. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe we'll keep everybody keep everybody in the dark. But I, And I don't know what the percentage would be. But I feel like when I think about what it looks like on the other side of this, it feels like it is um, just this kids reading four books a day, depending on what, I mean, obviously not seniors but like yeah. kids like my children's age like just reading all day long reading like doing math like math problems um and some science as well i just don't know if it matters what year the revolutionary war happened 
And I'm not saying it doesn't, but I wonder if there's any data. I know our social studies and history you're teachers listening to this Michael, are going to be, that we'll listen. We've already <laughs> pissed off the spinach lobby. Um, so now we'll see. We'll piss off these people. I don't know if that's the case. I, I am interested in that question. I do think, though, like, I think people will figure this out. I don't think, I don't have faith in the system to figure it out. I do believe that everything, to use a made-up word, is figure outable. Uh, we talked about the science of success uh, in the last episode of season one. And I do think that people will figure this out. I think one of the reasons why people are quitting en masse, despite the, the fact that they're, 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 they're fearful of their, of their health, but I think that people don't know how to do this yet. And when we don't know how to do something, we're more inclined to avoid it, right? Yes. I mean, you don't know how to swim. You're not likely not going to, you know, try, try, try jet skiing, right? Because yes, it's, absolutely. it's really scary and it's uncomfortable. And I think that we just haven't figured it out yet. I don't think we should be looking to school districts to figure it out. But I do believe that the stuff is figure outable, again, to use a fake word, and that people will figure it out and that maybe we'll have classes of, Maybe we'll break down walls in schools uh, between two classes and one teacher will have 45 students. And that sounds crazy to some of you listening, I know, but great teachers could would be able to pull that off, not necessarily for like direct instruction and checking everybody's work and collecting yeah. all that homework, but for some of the things I'm talking about, which is like math, like, you know, math drills. And read, yep. like independent reading time and everybody's working on their own book and, and students are required to read X amount of books per week and X amount of books per month. I'm not talking about for individualized instruction that, or for, for, for just for a direct instruction type piece overall that that would be that would likely be too many kids, but that there might be ways that folks are like leveraging cafeterias and auditoriums throughout different parts of the day to get larger groups of kids with their strongest teachers, and that those folks are doing some really unique things to catch kids up while simultaneously solving for the fact that they have fewer people in the building to make great things happen. I do believe it can be figured out. I, I've spent next to no time thinking on this because we're like eyeball deep in the work. Maybe it's something that you and I think about at length over the next couple months, but I, I I don't think people are going to flock back to the profession. I do think the great people who are in the profession currently, and even the, the not so great people who are in the profession, I think they will. I think they will be able to figure this out in some regard. And Michael, I mean, the thing is, I, I think some people have figured it out. I think our colleagues in in the Netherlands and in Sweden and in India, which have taken, I mean, a, a completely different approach. I mean, India. Uh, spends, if, if you look at a, a school in India, they, they spend a lot of time in direct instruction. Um, and, and obviously there are some cultural differences between um, a student in India or a student in Sweden or the Netherlands than an American student. There are some differences, but their approach is, is what you said, like how do we maximize um, not just like our staff, but like how do we change the, the usage of space? Um, in, the, in the ways that we do things, not a, a personal plug, but I talk a lot about this in my dissertation. Um, and there, there are folks that have, but what is exactly what you said. It is the fear of, uh, of just like not wanting to like rock the boat so far because I'm not really sure um, if this will work or if, if I'm gonna be good at it or, or if this change will, will affect it. We gotta get out of this fear. Um, I'm, I'm scared as a principal to eliminate um, social studies and make a class that's humanities 
which incorporates history um, mm-hmm. and, and learning about um, important uh, facts about, you know, the past, not necessarily memorizing the dates and knowing those, because I, I, I don't, you're right, I don't, like, there's no use, I can Google any date that I need now. Um, but I do think that there's a fear of doing that. If you were to, add, if I were a principal now, you was like, hey, get rid of your social studies class so you can do X, Y, or Z, I'd be like, oh, we'll, we'll schedule a meeting with me and we'll talk about it. Yeah, um, and listen, uh, to be clear, I'm not necessarily advocating for the elimination of history or social yes. studies. You're going to end up. Uh, um, I do think we are. We have a, a an undereducated populace when it comes to things that have happened before we before we got yes. here. And um, with the old expression of those who uh, what's the old expression? Those who don't know history are doomed to repeat it. Right. Something like that. Um, but uh, to your point, <laughs> what's that? And we're doing it now with our. We didn't learn anything from the first pandemics and right. uh, recent pandemic. history. Um, it is interesting, though. I wonder if there's like a way that and, and again, our history teachers are going to send me send me letters. But I wonder if there's a way at the beginning of the year for uh, kids to be given, assuming they're old enough, like uh, a list of 40 topics. Um, and it's like uh, the Magna Carta, the Declaration of Independence, right? like all these different things. And like kids just like Google it and they uh, write a response and on their own time it's like a homework for it's homework for some for some kind of class study hall or something um and uh and they spend the rest of their time doing i'm glad uh, you didn't say this about science um (laughs) yeah i was going to but i thought you'd get you'd get angry at me and and start and start talking smack and i'll call you mike (laughs) what's the tony what's the um what's the silver line tony What's the, Tony, what's the silver lining in all this? There's got to be a silver lining. What's yeah. the silver lining? I mean, look, I think we, uh, we learned a lot about ourselves. We learned a lot about schools. I think we, we're going to be better um, on, the, on, on the other side of, of all of this. I think we also learn how to push um, ourselves more than we've ever done before. I talked to um, a school in South Philly the other day, and they were like, you know, we went virtual, and it was like, hey, piece of cake. We know how to do this. Um, yeah. Where before it was like, you know, schools probably would have been mortified um, to make any major changes. And now schools are pivoting um, like, you know, left and right. And so I think like this, this freedom um, that schools have now started to feel that they can pivot, um, that we can do things different than, than what we are. I think it'll usher in um, a time and a place where, where schools are more flexible and actually adopt, adapt to their students and their students' needs, um, as opposed to like what, you know, someone says, you know, in an ivory castle somewhere up far above the schools, sending down commands. Um, yeah, I think we're, I, I think we're we're just going to be much more flexible and smarter on the other end. Yeah, I think I think you're right. Um, I do think that there is a. Um, on the other side of this, I think there, and I hope there will be a, um, a, 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 I'm almost picturing a battlefield and I've never been in the military, but I've seen war movies and uh, enough war movies. And, and I know that's not anywhere near, but at the, there's the, like, after the smoke clears and yeah. people kind of look around at who's still standing and my father-in-law is a veteran and his camaraderie with the people he served with uh, is still 
uh, is stronger than it was uh, 50 years ago when they when they when they served. And uh, I don't like people being overly dramatic about stuff. Right. I feel like everyone's like the new word to me, like everyone's like, oh, trauma. Like everyone thinks everything's traumatic. Like, no, you got into an argument with someone. It's not you didn't suffer trauma. You just you were annoyed. Right. Like you're annoyed. You got angry. You didn't suffer any trauma. You're OK. Um, but I, and so I don't like things that are overly dramatic. Uh, and maybe this is that. I don't know if it is, though. But I do think that there's at the end of this, I think that there will be like a, a looking around at people who persevered through it with you and alongside you. Yep. And my hope is there will be a belief and an understanding that, hey, we just did the hardest shit ever. Um, we can, we can, we can put this new, we can execute this new culture system, yeah. right? Because you know yeah. what? We just spent the last two years not yeah. knowing what was going to happen from second to second. And by like, Hey, we can, we can have that tough conversation with that third grade teacher. You want to know why? Because we just spent the last two years in at home in masks back, like testing hundreds of kids a day, you know, dozens of adults. I think that I hope that there will be this like so we might have less people in the work. I hope that the people we'll have will be like almost fortified by by this by this uh, you know by these two years and by uh, this circumstance, and that it'll be uh, yeah less, but 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 more if that makes sense. You get like a badge, like yo, you survived COVID C nineteen. Oh yeah, me yeah. too. Man. <laughs> Good to see you, brother. Like yeah, it's gonna be one of those. I love it. But yeah, we will be stronger. We can do anything now. We can do anything now. Did you finish your drink? I did. I did. I get it. I'm so jealous that you're that you're having a drink. I want to pour myself a glass of wine so badly. I won't. No, I won't. Wait till February. February, man. February is on dry. It was dry January, soaking wet February. hey listen friends thanks for joining us on our first episode of 2022 it was great spending time with you for tony vance oh my god i'm mike sombert mikey (laughs) we will see you next time uh until then keep on rocking You just listened to Informal Observations with Skyrocket Educator Training. Sign up for our mailing list at WeWillSkyrocket.com and tune in to our next episode.